My guest today is Jared Waldrop. He's the associate pastor at the Westmore Church of God in Cleveland, Tennessee, USA. He served there for the past 10 years. He and his wife, Ashley, have been in full-time ministry since 2004. We're going to unpack that and talk about what full-time ministry means. He has a passion to see people make a connection between real life and real faith. Stick around for this conversation with Jared. Jared, welcome to ServeCast, man. I'm glad you're joining us today. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Now, the cool thing is you and your wife have four children. We do. And they're young, right? They are. We have a 13-year-old, we have an 11-year-old, we have an 8-year-old, and a (laughs) 5-year-old. So we are a noisy, noisy bunch. Everywhere we go, it's chaos, but we love it. I love it, man. That's great. Well, I'm a papa, and so uh, you know, I have to figure out a way to throw that into most of my podcast episodes anyway, because I'm proud to be a papa. But And you're a Lee alum. When were you at Lee? I was at Lee from 2000 to 2004. Okay, okay. So now you're a you're an associate pastor at the church, this little small church here, a little struggling church called right. Westmore. Yeah, just down the road, <laughs> Westmore Church of God. I'm the associate pastor there and enjoying it. I said that small struggling part for all of my Westmore friends that might pick this up. You know, actually, you guys are building a new sanctuary. You getting ready to move into it pretty soon. We are uh, this spring. Uh, the doors will open, and uh, really, the the target date is right at Easter. And mm-hmm. it's it's been a long time coming. We put a lot of work into it, and it is just phenomenal to to have that time here now. Man, it's I'm really time. excited. Yeah, I'm really excited for you guys. I kind of see it from a distance, you know, drive by every once in a while, and got tons of friends over there, and so it's good to to see what's happening over there. You know, on our on our podcast today, we want to kind of you know dive into a couple of ideas, and and one of those I'm going to piggyback off of a, a bio that you sent me, you know, and talking about this idea that, you know, you, you appreciate or you value this whole idea of making a connection for people between, you know, real life and real faith. And so I don't, you know, for our listeners that have no idea what that means, right? Real life, real faith. Unpack that for a little bit and talk to us about what does it mean to, uh, to, to deal with? Because, I mean, you mentioned the word a while ago, chaos, right? From your, your kid's life, but the world's in chaos, man. The world's in tremendous amount of chaos. And so what does it mean about this whole idea of real life, real faith? Yeah. So, for me, I guess that whole mantra uh, began when I left Lee and dove right into full-time ministry um, and became a student pastor full-time. And those first first few months, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, I got my teeth kicked in in ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the things I learned, um, you know, when it hit the ground— real time and I had to put all the book learning and uh, all of that into just the real life, real time, real problems. Um, you just realize quickly that you know as a minister, you're dealing with uh, people's lives mm-hmm. and especially with students. you're dealing with um, people that are just in the middle of just raw humanity, the struggle, the things they're facing and for, Christianity to make sense, for the Bible to make sense, there had to be this application that that was real, that fit into the everyday life and fit into the struggle and helped them, um, you know, journey through life. And so for me, I looked at it from the standpoint of like, okay, if we're going to be uh, preaching and teaching, it's got to come from this point of of practicality, of of how is this going to fit into your everyday life? And mm-hmm. so I looked at it as, okay, well, if you're going to 
boil it all down to the the most important thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, you got to love God. You got to love people. Let's keep it simple like that and uh, and start from there. And so I guess uh, a, a philosophy of ministry um, kind of started uh, being birthed from that. And so in student ministry in particular, um, it was always geared around um, your heart for God and, uh, and the way that you loved your neighbor. And so um, would we teach and preach and disciple and worship, we would do all of that, but it also had to be balanced out with going into the community and making sure that uh, we were active in um, loving the world around us. And, uh, and so we begin to see a very powerful mix of those two dynamics coming together because um, a lot of times I've, I've seen where people um, get a lot of head knowledge um, and they know a lot of things when it comes to Scripture and Christianity and, and going through the, the motions of going to church. Um, but they're going to leave that after a while if there's no outlet, if there's no action, if there's no tangible way for their faith to make sense in how they see it being acted out in the world. And so we wanted to make sure that with the younger generation that we were starting to instill that within them uh, from the get-go, that that's how faith made sense was the way that they learned and the way that they grew um, was complemented by how they lived and mm-hmm. how they interacted with the world around them. So I guess that's uh, you know where that real life meets real faith um, idea came from. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been a lot of, uh, Barna has put out a tremendous amount of uh, data, you know, on this whole idea of people leaving the faith, people leaving the church, you know. Um, what, what are you seeing across the, across the, you know, across the landscape of, of Christianity across the board, you know? Um, and what are some ways that you think we can keep um, this generation or any of the previous generations, right? So we're talking about um, the next generation, next gen. We're talking about um, millennials. You know, what's the what's the current generation name? Do you know what that's? I think uh, the the buzzword is Generation Z. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Now and and really, the way I, I look at it is, um, whatever the label is, mm-hmm. um, the next generation, the the ones that are coming up, whatever the label. Um, the the main thing is is that the faith passes on mm-hmm. whatever their label is um that to me that's secondary of whatever their characteristics are sure. and all this kind of stuff um the big issue is that uh that true faith is instilled in them mm-hmm. and what i've seen as of late you know the past decade or so being here at um at Westmore and working with uh you know young people mostly um is a trend where as they get out of high school, get out of a mode of where um, they're showing up because their parents are dropping them off. And there's, you know, uh, a high percentage of them that want to be there, but, you know, it was still their faith is facilitated to a point. Um, once they get out of that realm and they're on their own, there's uh, a trend where I see so many become just disinterested in coming to church. And I think part of the reason... That is, is, and I'm talking holistically now, not just a specific local church, but just the church in general, is that um, we haven't done a very good job of making that connection to real life. Mm-hmm. Um, they're fed, they're fed, they hear Bible verses, they sit in services, they go through um, 
you know, a typical uh, religious um, experience of coming to church. You show up and you worship and you pray and you take in. Um, but then uh, if there's no outlet, if it's not bleeding into their real life, after a while, um, I think a lot of younger uh, younger ones tend to think, well, then what's what's the point? What am I even doing here? Why do I keep showing up like this if it's not really affecting how I live and, and what I do in real time? Um, and so I think what's key when it comes to this next generation is uh, as, as they're growing, um, providing opportunities for them to see their faith in action. Mm-hmm. This is why I'm learning what I'm learning. This is uh, how I can love like Jesus because that makes that real-life connection um, and those are the things that, that they're not going to walk away from. Sure. Because I don't know about you, but I've never felt more like Jesus than when I'm loving somebody in Jesus' name, serving, serving like him, rolling up my sleeves, getting down into the, the nitty-gritty of real life and just helping somebody at their point of need. Mm-hmm. Let's go back for a minute and let's unpack this idea that you mentioned. You talked about this... Um, you know, parents dropping kids off, right? So the other night I was, uh, I was, we had convocation at Lee this week. And so I didn't go to my local church and I was on my way to, uh, to Lee. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, man, there's tons of cars going opposite directions from where most of the churches that I know are at, you know? So, so why do you think we are at this place? How did we get to this place? And not in the sense of let's bring up some bad history to say, you know, you should have, would have, could have, but let's talk about how did we get to the place where there's such a disconnect in families as it relates to faith? Because I do see a lot of dropping off kids. Let me drop the kids off so that the church can give them their faith portion, right? But I don't need to, and I'm not saying that everybody was driving down the road wasn't going to church, but I am saying we do have this legitimate disconnect in families currently. Why do you think that's happened? And what can we do to bring back together a holistic approach to family faith and family development? Yeah, family faith development. And there's a lot to unpack there. Sure. Um, and I think disconnect is probably a key word in it. Um, I think that uh, that we're busier than we've ever been. I think in some ways, um, you know, and you can look up, you know, statistics and research on this. I think we're probably more broken than we've ever been. Sure. I think we can... That's a tough uh, term, though. I want to hold on for just a minute, Jerry, sure. because that term alone becomes a major discussion point for a lot of people. We probably won't dig into that, but I do want to, you know, acknowledge at least the fact that that term, a lot of people don't think they're broken, but in our Christian lens, we might think they are. Right, right. And that, yeah, and that's kind of a, a big, broad term. But when you just look at, and, and I'll speak from my experience, um, you know, with a lot of uh, broken homes, I'll put it that way, and uh, in busy parents and um, a lot of uh, stress and pressure, I think it's become um, pretty easy to be able to drop your kids off at the church and know, okay, they're safe, they're there, um, they're taken care of for right now, mm-hmm. I can run out and I can do whatever I need to do, mm-hmm. or I can just get a break. Mm-hmm. I think there's that side of it. I think there's a side of it that um, kids can be dropped off at church, and I'm not sure how I can disciple my kid, raise my kid. I'm having a hard time even keeping it together yeah. as a single mom or a single dad or just trying to 
just trying to make ends meet, trying to make things happen. Here, help my kid. Mm-hmm. Church, help my kid. Sure. Youth pastor, help my kid. I think there's that aspect of it. Um, it's it's a pretty loaded topic, but I think that um, you know this disconnection um, has been one where uh, you know the family, you know, obviously needs the church, but then in a lot of times the church is. Um, in youth ministry standpoints, has become holding holding tanks with pizza, um, and has become an entertainment avenue of okay, we're going to uh, we're going to bring everybody in, we're going to try to have fun, we're going to try to keep you interested and engaged, and uh, and we're going to go from there. Um, and I think it's got to be more than that. It's got to be deeper than that. It's got to be. Uh, discipleship centered or should there be a lot of fun absolutely should there be uh, memories made absolutely I think we should go all in on all of that but we also have to go all in on helping kids develop a true relationship with Jesus Christ and live like Jesus Mm -hmm. Um, and I think to really do that in a powerful way finding ways to bring families together in that process is important to involve mom and dad, to involve grandparents if possible and, and have an intergenerational mindset where the church is bringing the generations together. Um, I think that can help pass on faith and encourage, um, young people to live out their faith as they hear God's stories from generations before them hear, um, about how God has, you know, hold people through, how he's provided, how he's healed, how he's helped, sure. um, bring those generations together to help support um, the family in general um, and help push on uh, the passing of faith um, to our young ones. Um, and I think, you know, in, in some small way, an effort towards that can help heal some of that disconnect. Mm-hmm. And I think you're spot on with that because I do, real, I do, I do realize that well, if you go back and you study, um, you know, Old Testament kings, right, you're going to see that, you know, one generation was um, tending to honor God, the next generation dishonored God, right? The mm-hmm. next generation honored God, then maybe the next generation dishonored God. It seems like it was missing a generation all the way along the right. way through. You know, and I'm not, you know, equating that to current life and saying that everybody that doesn't go to church, or everybody that drops their kids off at church, you know, is dishonoring God. But I am saying that, in the culture in which we're living in, where faith is constantly under attack, right? Mm-hmm. And Christians, unfortunately, are not always representative of the true image of Christ and how mm. we deal with crises, you know, of, of faith um, conflict, right? Mm-hmm. There needs to be this recurring, this coming back together. So what are some practical ways that you could speak to, you know, you're a father, you've got a, a, a middle schooler, good Lord, whoever mm-hmm. has a middle schooler is in a whole <laughs> different world by themselves, right? Right, so, right? So so, what advice do you give to parents to say to them, you know, there's more than just dropping your kid off. We really want you to develop as well. What are some ways that you're seeing that in your ministry uh, or maybe some other models? And, and how would you encourage parents to grab a hold of that, yeah, that, that uh, coming back together? I th- Does that I think, make sense? Yes, absolutely. And I, and I think one uh, one one thing that can happen is just the, to make the choice to be engaged, um, to be part of uh, know what your kids are doing, what they're what they're part of. Be a part of it yourself. Choose to be a part of the life of the church. Um, I think that when we miss out on relationship, 
in the community of faith, we miss out on so much. There's so much support, so much help, so much um, of, I think, what can can help us is choosing to do life together. Mm -hmm. And I think we have a lot of isolated islands, um, which, you know, families and individuals have kind of become silos. And I think the church, one of the greatest things the church can offer is this relational strength and community. And now within that, I think one of the most powerful things that we can have is uh, our storytelling. Mm -hmm. Um, You can argue theology till you're blue in the face and all of the the different aspects and different takes on uh, this, that, and the other. But one thing that's really, really hard to argue with is when somebody tells their story Mm -hmm. and they say, I'm different because of what Jesus has done. Yeah, the power of story. Right. And when you have those testimonies and you tell those God stories and you have people there, people present, and they're hearing that, and you have the young ones there, that leaves a mark, but it's Mm -hmm. also relational glue Mm -hmm. because you hear uh, what people have been through, Mm -hmm. um, what God has brought them out of, and it creates this... uh, this this spiritual bond, um, this threefold cord mm-hmm. um, of you, another person, and this divine uh, cord of Christ tying it all together. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's so important. So one of the, I think one of the keys is uh, choo- choosing to go all in, one, um, being a part of, of your church and being engaged, and, and two, the local church finding ways to incorporate story and uh, and getting that into the mix uh, for people to understand each other, uh, to grow together, um, and that helps pass on the faith. It helps bond people together, and and I think it it'll help uh, solve some of the disconnect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the power of story is pretty pretty amazing. I remember as a kid, um, you know, we would get these. Um, I would call them disciples, but they were not disciples of Christ. They were disciples of another you know religion, and. Um, and they would come to the house, you know, and they would um, try to proselytize and, you know, try to, to witness, you know. And my dad was a preacher. And so I always was, you know, trying to learn how to cope with, you know, someone who believes differently than me without being harsh or hateful or mean or cruel. Right. Right. And so my dad, who didn't have much education, quit school in the sixth grade, pastored for 50 years, you mm. know, um, committed pastors, not because it was the only thing he could do. It's because he had a calling to it. You know, mm-hmm. he had plenty of other options to do. But but I remember watching my dad. And and, and as I watched him, Jared, when these people would, would express, you know, their biblical knowledge, and my dad was very quick to own up to the fact that he couldn't argue biblically with them. Hmm. But what he did was he began to tell his conversion story. Yeah. He began to tell about the time... Hmm. That you know he had an addiction of, of nicotine, right? Mm-hmm. And how mm-hmm. that he miraculously in one day, you know, um, laid that down and never picked it back up. Wow! Because yeah. there was something transformational on the inside, right? Mm-hmm. So, so what are some ways that we can encourage people to tell their story? Because you know, I'm hearing you say, okay, let's let, let's get the church bring back the story, but but how do we how do we uh, not motivate them, but how do we encourage people? Because stories are nasty. Mm-hmm. Stories are dirty, man. Stories are tough. Stories, you know, hold a lot of secrets sometimes, right? Right. right. So you got to be careful what you share. But 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 how do you 
encourage people to, number one, own their story, mm-hmm. articulate it, let God use it. You know, we just had Moisim in our chapel at Lee this week, and man, what a powerful story of her life. Mm. And and so talk to us about this whole impact of story. How do we do this thing? Yeah, well, I, you know, I think one of the keys, first off, is, is owning your own story. Um, I think there... Uh, you know, for the individual, um, all of us, uh, we have to go through the process, do the work of owning that story. Mm-hmm. And and that begins with bringing that to Jesus sure, and letting Jesus into um, all those spaces in our life that, that need healing, that need help, hope, and restoration. Um, and with the redeemed story, understanding who we are in Christ and what Christ has done for us, allowing um, the mess that we are to become our message mm-hmm. and realizing that some of our most painful places in our lives can become platforms for some of the most incredible ministry um, that God uh, sure. can do through us. So there's that owning it aspect, but then also a recognition that I think this the, the younger generation, um, they're craving good story. And you see that in what they're starting to produce yeah. um, in all of the, uh, you know, the, the feeds and the streams and the ways that they are gravitating towards story. Um, I think that they're a generation that is open to hearing. I think they crave it. I think they desire it. And I think in the church, if the door is opened, um, it's going to pique their interest. It's going to make the connection between what they see in Scripture and what they experience in real life, bring that real life, real faith together. And I think it's going to be something that if it's presented, they're going to gravitate to you because they're already naturally there. Um, They're telling stories on Instagram already, on TikTok. They're taking that in. Um, They're following the lives of other people on Mm -hmm. YouTube Mm -hmm. with all of these, uh, you know, different uh, episodes and different things that are produced. I mean, they're already there. They're engaged in story. Um, this desire to be recognized is, I think, a desire within them to want to live um, a dynamic story. Mm-hmm. It, it's in them already as a generation, and I think the church can capitalize on that and say, well, let's hear the story of these individuals and what they've been through, and let's tie it to the ultimate story of what Jesus has done mm-hmm. so that all of our stories can be redeemed in Him. Mm-hmm. And I think that could be a powerful place to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that challenge of saying, you know, that that they're already they're already aware of the idea of story. Let's not neglect the fact that the Christian story has something of value to offer. So, Christianity is more than you know. I use this term a lot. I've never really figured out why I use it. I just like the image of it, right? That you know, Jesus is not a vacuum cleaner, suck a little sin out of your life, make you feel better about yourself, you know, and cast you on your way. Right. right? There's right. a whole transformation piece that comes into this beginning a life of um, faith in Christ, right? Relationship with Jesus. So so realizing that it's more than just an inward piece, right? There's an outward piece. Um, If you do history, history will tell us way back in the early days that, you know, in particular, um, you know, Christianity was tied to both service and discipleship. Mm -hmm. Somehow along the line, especially in maybe some of our... Uh, you and I share a Pentecostal tradition. Not everybody that hears us or listens to us, you know, shares that same tradition. But seemingly, a lot of times, in those traditions, we're kind of 
highlighting the responsibility for discipleship and sometimes letting the whole service piece fall through the cracks, right? Mm, or at least right. my observation of this. Right. Mm-hmm. So what are some ways that you're seeing um, this generation reclaim this idea of service um, as it relates to the power of the, the Christian story? Yeah, um, well, I think I think when it comes to service and being a disciple, um, that they go together hand in hand. And yeah. I think service is part of discipleship. Sure. And I think you can't really be a disciple unless you're serving. Uh, they they go together. Um, now I think that there are uh, you know parts of our culture nowadays that are trying to do one without the other. Sure. Um, there's some that are trying to do church and keep it all in the church and disciple, 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 head knowledge, head knowledge, um, know all the right things, know the apologetics, know how to defend the faith, you know, know all the stuff, mm-hmm. uh, but not really. Uh, loving their neighbor. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people that want to love their neighbor and then neglect all the truth in Scripture. Right. So you have, um, you know, maybe this head in the clouds Christianity without any um, connection to the real world. And other ways you have a bunch of do-goodism yeah. uh, without any Christ-centeredness. And I think what it takes is uh, there's a term that, that I kind of try to live by um, is that we have to have heart and hustle. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to have this, you know, heart for God, this godly character and integrity, but then the hustle, this uncanny work ethic, uh, where we're willing to do the work. And when the two of those come together, it's, it's, uh, it's powerful. And I'll tell you a story real quick. One of the most powerful moments that I've had, uh, in student ministry, um, was here at Westmore and I was really just kind of working through, early on in my time here, uh, this, you know, making this connection between real life and real faith and feeling that culture shift and um, trying to help that layer of connection um, really just kind of stick in there with some of our our students earlier on. And I I came in one Sunday morning. um, We have, uh, you know, we did at the time, we had a, it it was a mentorship program, discipleship kind of group that was meeting. There was uh, 12 students and, uh, I put a challenge before him. I said, hey, I found a way to get a half a semi full of food. Uh, We're going to have to raise some money to do it. Um, And I know a community in Upper East Tennessee that we can go distribute this, but I'm not going to make the decision. I want you guys to talk about it and let me know um, if you're in or not. Is this something that you guys want to take on? And I left the room and left it with them and didn't engage with any of any of their questions, comments, anything like that throughout the week concerning that topic, because I wanted to see what was going to happen when I came in uh, that next Sunday. And so that next Sunday morning, I was really curious what I was going to find. And uh, I got there early and and realized that they were already there. Mm -hmm. They were all in the room. And as I'm opening the door, I I realized quickly, it was like, wow, okay, they're all here. And they proceeded to tell me, um, one, that they were in, Mm Uh, and they had a mission statement. They had scriptures to support it. They had fundraising ideas. Mm-hmm. They were they had been meeting all throughout the week. They were ready to go. Um, they raised over five hundred dollars in forty eight hours. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was like, my goodness, they're mm-hmm. they're fired up. And it taught me that you can never underestimate the power of an impassioned young person mm-hmm. when that passion. Um, is flowing in their given vision, um, you can't stop them. And they were working together. So we put together a, a quick 
uh, Friday, Saturday trip, and we went to um, a little town in Upper East Tennessee, and uh, we had the semi that was meeting us there, and we arranged the uh, the food to be distributed um, from an elementary school there. And uh, this was kind of an out-of-the-way town, and we went on Friday night, and we set it all up, and we had a, a, a thought flow of how we were going to distribute the food, and we uh, spent time setting it up, and we prayed over it, and we asked God to help us, and the school was helped getting out some flyers, and uh, we were working with the principal on it, and we were just really excited. And we went back and uh, stayed the night, got up the next morning, and we were supposed to be there at 8.30 because we were going to open the door at 9 for people to come in and um, and get the food and for it to be distributed. And I remember as we're pulling into the parking lot about 8.30, um, we hadn't quite got to the school yet, and a thought hit me, oh, oh Lord, I, I hope people actually show up. Because <laughs> <laughs> these kids have put a whole lot into yeah. this, and we didn't know what we were going to see. Right. And <clears throat> we pulled up, and it's 8.30, doors are supposed to open at 9, and there was already a line almost wrapped around the yeah. building. And that that morning, we served about 350 families. Mm-hmm. And I watched these kids sweat and work hard and load carts and walk them out to cars and love people and pray with them in the parking lot as they're loading food into their cars and just love people and love every minute of what they were doing. And the processing time that we had after that, talking about um, what they thought, what they felt. I mean, it it was everything I wanted as a youth pastor. And... Uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful moment, and it taught me that, you know, if you can take these real-life moments and make them matter and help kids live like Jesus um, and teach them how to do the work, teach them how to have the heart and the hustle, um, God can do amazing things through them. And I saw those kids come alive like I hadn't seen before. Mm -hmm. And to me, uh, it's just so worth it. Sure. To make those moments happen. So now you're full-time. I guess that just means that the church pays you a salary, so therefore you don't have to work elsewhere, right? <laughs> right. Okay. Right. So you probably haven't always been full-time, um, you know, and were involved in ministry prior to that. Prior to that. So as we get ready to close our episode today, what 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 would you say to to the, the, um, the youth pastor, the pastor, the caregiver, the ministry-minded person, you know, who doesn't have both the luxury and the benefit of a, a salary, you know, um, paid by the church, so therefore they have to work somewhere else, but they still have this desire to make impact. What do you say to them? How do how do they they stay in the, uh, as we say, stay in the fray? How do they how do they continue this idea of, you know, I'm commissioned and called and willing to give all to let God work and use me, right? Mm-hmm. But how do you how do you encourage these guys? that while they're still in this balance between, you know, a profession of ministry or yet a volunteerism ministry. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And and I'd say this, you, you, you got to start here. You got to grow yourself as a believer, first and foremost. Um, forget titles. Forget um, where your location is. Forget what you're getting paid, what you're not getting paid. When it comes down to it, um, our heart before God is what matters most, and that that we grow. And so, if you're focused on um, growing as a believer, being in God's presence, just knowing Him, living for Him, uh, good things are going to happen. And you start there, and then you just do the best 
um, that you can with what you have. Sure. What's right in front of you? It could be a room of 500 uh, students. It could be three. Mm-hmm. You make the most of what you what you got. You, you just you do the work. Um, if if you're at a place where uh, you know you're you're working and trying to do church work, and you have um, a small group of students, then you put your life, your love, your energy into that group, into that small group, and you disciple them. Sure. And you take every opportunity that you can to help them make that connection between real life and real faith. And and I think a lot of times we overcomplicate it. It doesn't have to be as complicated as we think, that I've got to have this program set up and these benchmarks, and I've got to have this curriculum, and I've got to have the lights and the sound and the stage and the microphone. No, no, no. It doesn't have to be like that. Um, Get kids gathered around the Word. Um, Teach the Word. Talk about the Word. Talk about it in light of real life. uh, And then go alleviate suffering somehow in your community together and worship together, do life together. Um, most communities are going to have an avenue, an outlet, or something to be able to to go do. Mm-hmm. You know, we've done crazy things here in Cleveland um, that, that people wouldn't really think of. We've uh, gone to our alternative school here in the county, and we've mopped floors and mm-hmm. wiped down desks. We've uh, gone to basketball gyms after the basketball season. You wouldn't believe how dirty those get, but we tell the janitor staff, hey, we're going to scrub these down. We're going to um, get this place cleaned up for you. Just mm-hmm. out-of-the-box ways. Just If you open your eyes and you allow God to lead you, there's ways that you can find outlets to serve. And if you get kids involved in this, they're going to crave it. Mm-hmm. And then when you're talking out of the Gospels and you're talking out of Acts, all this stuff is going to come alive to them because they're going to see themselves in those pages and realize like, wow, okay, we're living like Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't make it too complicated. I'd focus on growing yourself, growing where you're at, loving the ones that you have, and getting them activated and, and living like Jesus. And I'd, I'd start there. Good stuff. Well, I think that's a great way to start as we begin to stop. But, uh, man, I appreciate your challenge. Love your uh, scripture reference earlier, Matthew 22, 37 through 39, you know, and how that we're, we we begin with loving God. And then out of that gives our strength and ability to love other people. So, Jared, what's an email? If somebody uh, hears our episode, you know, we got people from, uh, I don't know, 38 something countries, you know, and, and all over the place that listen to us. What's an email if somebody wants to connect with you and, and, and get some more insight from you on how they can um, do what this very thing you're talking about, you know, which is stay committed through it all. What's, yeah. what's an email where they can reach um, you? You can reach me at jwaldrop, W-A-L-D-R-O-P, so jwaldrop at westmorechurch.com. Or if you're on Instagram, you can find me at Jared H. Waldrop. There you go. Well, man, listen, thanks for coming to join us today on Surfcast. Looking forward to uh, maybe getting you back in the studio at some point. And I uh, appreciate what you and and your wife are doing and your kids. And listen, um, you know, those teenagers, they grow up, man. And uh, at some point, they'll give you grandchildren like mine have. Hey, I'm uh, hoping for it. It's a lot of fun. Take care, okay? Thank you. All right. Hey, guys, as always, remember, uh, we say it at the end of every episode here on Surfcast, you're made for more. Think about ways in which you can make an impact in someone else's life and go do it. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to Surfcast with Dr. William Lamb. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Surfcast to stay updated on special guests and future episodes.